Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So now we have this opportunity to start a new series titled Make Room. And this series is about increasing our capacity. And so it's all about increasing our inner capacity to receive from God. So it's not about taking things out of our life, but bringing things into our life. And we have a really cool Old Testament story to bring that out today. And I wanted to open up with a story. This is a recent story in my life, guys. And you see these two pots. So late in the spring, someone here at the church said, hey, you want some tomato plants? And I had to hesitate. You know, he, he said, I have some patio tomato plants about this. High. And because and, and, I, up to that point, didn't want a garden. And uh, because when I was growing up, my dad made my brothers and I, uh, before, he, he, there were years where he didn't have a rototiller, so we had to go out every spring and and he had huge gardens. And, and then finally, he bought a rototiller. But my experience with gardens is that. And then also, uh, you can't play with your friends. You have to go weed the garden. It's like, Dad, please. You know. Now I look back, and I'm thankful. But I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going to plant these. Gene and I, we sold our house four years ago. And we live in a community where you're not allowed to dig the yard up. And we want to eventually buy, but I'm waiting for the market to come down a little bit before we do that. And, and so... Um, it's a beautiful community, and I have this 15 by 10-foot patio, and I thought, I'll just put them up there. So I wanted to get up as many as possible on, so I went out and bought these two-gallon-type uh, containers, and I planted all my tomato plants, and they were doing really good until they grew a little bit, and then I noticed no matter what, you have to water them a couple times a day because it's just not big enough to hold the water. And, uh, and then the summer's been so hot. But the leaves were withering, and it just wasn't doing well. And I went on YouTube and listened to some experts. And first thing I found out is I should have used five-gallon pots. You know, uh, That was my first discovery and learned a lot of other things. So I went ahead and thought, let me transplant one of them and just experiment. And the one I transplanted just took off. It's amazing. And so I feed them every morning with food, you know, uh, some, some plant food, or every Monday morning, I should say. And, and then uh, it's amazing the difference. And I learned something. When I took this one out, uh, the roots were everywhere, and they had nowhere else to go, and there just wasn't enough soil for them to grow. So, but when I can increase the capacity, wow, it's a big difference. And it's, it's double uh, the, the difference, or actually more than double. And here's why I brought these up here. Here's why I share the story. I want to take all of us from two gallons to at least five-gallon capacity, right? And many of you are listening. You already have a five-gallon capacity, so I want to get you up to 10, right? And we just want to keep growing our capacity because the way we receive from God is by growing that inner capacity. So that's, that's what this series is about. We're going to look at it from different angles and have a blast. And I have a big idea for this lesson, and it goes like this, guys. God has more to give than we're getting. There's way more out there. And I, I, I first wrote it this way, God has more to give than we're experiencing, but it wasn't sticky. And so I thought, I need two Gs, right? So I put getting at the end, so I have two Gs. And it's just a little more sticky, improper English, but God has more to give than we're getting. And I'd like you to think about what it says in Ephesians chapter one. It says, God has blessed us. If you're a Christian, he has blessed us, has, past tense, with all spiritual blessings, 
in the heavenly realm. Now, the heavenly realm, it's not this place really far away. It just, in that context, means the spirit realm or the unseen realm. And just imagine it like a river floating above your head, and everything you could ever need spiritually is out there, right? It's just all flowing outside. All we have to do is pull it in, right? If we can pull it in, then we can have those things in our life. So think about when you need peace, when you need joy, when you need strength, whatever you need, spiritual gifts. The Bible says God has blessed you with all these things. So we need to go ahead and get them. And it reminded me of another story. My mother-in-law, she lived with us for 18 years before she went to heaven. She went to heaven about uh, this December will be uh, four years. And when she lived with us, she would tell you she was five foot tall, but she was probably four six and uh, maybe four seven at best with heels on. But but she was short, you know, uh, as was my grandma's on the other side and of, of my family. And uh, so she had this thing, an extension grabber, and she was talented with it. Let me tell you, she had three or four of them. And my kids, when they were young, loved playing with these things. But she could come into the kitchen. She couldn't reach the second shelf, okay? So that's how you know she wasn't that tall. And she, of course, couldn't reach the third, the highest shelf. But she would, was so good with these things, she could grab a glass glass and bring it down without breaking it. And I got to thinking about how she used that extension grabber. If she dropped her remote in her chair, she wasn't real mobile, she could just get that and bring it up to her. Whatever she, whatever she needed, she grabbed. And I just got to thinking about this series. As we increase our capacity, we build a spiritual extension grabber, guys, and we can begin to pull all those things that we're already blessed with in the heavenly places, but also we can begin to pull natural things into our lives. So this first lesson, uh, I just simply titled it, Make Room for God. And I just want to show you a general way that we can make more room in our life for God. And then each week I have something specific that we'll talk about and how to make room for that and how to pull that into our lives and build that extension grabber and increase our capacity because it's all about what's on the inside, guys. If you can grow your inside, you're gonna see it on the outside. But you and I just have to grow it. And I have this Bible story from the Old Testament that is so cool. And I was in a minister's conference in January and and I was ministering, uh, but... And then other guys were going to minister. But they had a couple guys get up and just share what they're doing in their church, these pastors. And one of the guys uh, said, hey, man, uh, we just currently use this scripture. And when I heard it, bam, an explosion. All I could think of is I've got an idea for a series, right? So that's, that's why I'm using this in this series. God just sparked it inside of me. So I came up with three things we can do to increase our capacity. And here's the first thing. We make room by following God's instructions. And that sounds so simple. That would be the Bible, right? We make room by following God's instructions, but it is so powerful. And we're going to talk about three kings who were cousins. These guys were cousins. And one was the king of Israel. His name was Joram. Do you know who his parents were? Ahab and Jezebel. So he had some terrible parents. Uh, They were the worst king and, and queen of Israel ever. 
But you know what? The Bible says he gave his heart to the Lord and he didn't worship their idols. So he was a good king and you, you, you wouldn't expect it having grown up in that household. But I think he saw Elisha do some things that made him say, I'm gonna repent and turn to God. So he's a good king. And then his cousin Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah and he's a really good king, right? Some really famous stories with him. And then there was the king of Edom. They don't tell us his name. The experts and scholars don't know his name, but they would all be cousins. Edom came from Enoch. Remember, Jacob and Enoch were were, uh, twins. And so that nation came uh, out of Esau. And they're just all related, all cousins. And so here's what happened. When Ahab uh, died, uh, they had the Moabites under tribute. And so that that meant they were more powerful than them. And they had them pay taxes uh, to Israel. But when they died and Joram took over a young guy, They said, we're not paying this tribute anymore, and they rebelled. And Joram's kind of upset, but he knows his nation isn't strong enough to deal with it, so he asked his two cousins. They said, we'll come help you, cuz. And so they came to help him, and that's where our story begins, and it goes like this, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on the roundabout route about seven days, and there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. Verse 10, and this is the first Debbie Downer that ever existed, right? He started it all. And the king of Israel said, alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. In other words, they're dying of thirst. They have no energy. They're animals. The animals followed them because that was their food, right? So they brought shepherds and farmers, and that would follow them on their trip so they could feed them, right? And so now their animals are going to die. They're so weak. They're having a difficult time. And this is really important. Where they stopped was a desert valley. So they're in a desert in the valley, and they have no water whatsoever. And they're in trouble. And of course, Joram is very negative. But, but listen to this, verse 11. But Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Saphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. So we want to stop just for a second, make sure we understand what's happening here. Uh, Elisha was the most powerful Old Testament prophet. As a matter of fact, he said to Elijah, I want a double anointing, and God gave him a double anointing, and he did twice the miracles that Elijah did. So he is really powerful, and they're going to go to a really cool prophet. But it's important to understand Old Testament prophets versus New Testament prophets. Do you know the Bible says if an Old Testament prophet says something and it didn't come to pass. It says their words fell to the ground. They were to be stoned. <laughs> wow, nobody would want to be a prophet, right? And so, uh, but here's what happened. Listen, no Old Testament prophet was ever stoned, ever. Their words never hit the ground. They always came to pass, but God did that so if someone was faking it, they would think twice about faking it because, you know, if it doesn't happen, they are in big trouble. But the true prophets, their words never hit the ground. As a matter of fact, much of your Old Testament is prophets prophesying. And so you have the whole book of Jeremiah, that's just the prophet prophesying, right? So their word was equal to scripture. And that's what I want to make sure you understand. The last Old Testament prophet was Jesus. Now we know Jesus was the son of God who always existed, but he also stood in the office of the apostle, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, and the prophet, and he stood in the office of the Old Testament prophet. He's the last Old Testament prophet that we had, and now we have what's called New Testament prophets, 
And the Bible says this about New Testament prophets, test everything they say and throw out or keep that which is good and throw out the rest. So they're allowed to make mistakes, and they do, and they don't uh, get stoned for it, right? And here's what you have to understand. In the Old Testament, the the Spirit of God came on the Old Testament prophets so strong, they couldn't miss it. It was impossible to miss it. God literally took over their tongues, so they did not miss it. But a New Testament prophet, sometimes they say, is this God, isn't it God? And, and you know, they're, they're trying to grow in their gift. And the Bible says, chill, if they miss it, they miss it. Don't worry about it. And that's okay. And when you read the, the book of Acts, which is the early history of the church, we're still writing it. They only tell us three prophecies from New Testament prophets. Agabus had one. He said, there's going to be a drought, and there was. And then he said to Paul, if you keep going to where you're going, you're going to be arrested and thrown into jail. And here's what Paul said. He said, I already know that. He goes, I know that. He said, God told me that already. And he said, I'm going anyway. And then Barnabas and Paul uh, were also, this is earlier, they were worshiping with prophets and apostles. And then the prophets said to them, it's time for you to go on your first missionary journey. And they went off on their journey. And here's what you want to understand about New Testament prophets. Whatever they say to you, if you're in a meeting, you just want to make sure God already spoke it to your heart because the Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God or the children of God. And so here's how God's used prophets in my life. I'll be in a meeting, and I remember a meeting out of town, and there's a prophet ministering. And this is years ago now. And God had been dealing with me for a long time to step out on the water and do something. And I was procrastinating like, okay, God, yeah, sure. But God, that's pretty big. I don't know if I want to do it. And I'm in this meeting and this guy looks at me with hundreds of people. He calls me out and says, buddy, come on up here. And I'm like, okay. I'm thinking, I always worried, did I do something wrong? And are they going to tell everybody what I did? You know, that's how I, I get really nervous around prophets. And, uh, and not that I'm ever doing anything terrible, but it's like, oh, they're going to tell something I did or somewhere and, uh, or say, you've been disobedient, you know, but you know, God will never do that to you in public, but you know, we still worry about it, don't we? And so uh, he just looked at me and he began to tell me exactly what God had already told me. And I needed it to push me over. And I just, I put my hands up and started to worship and weep. And I said, God, thank you. So that's, that's how they work. You know, uh, when my daughter Michelle was doing her baby shower, they played a game and we zoomed it because it was during that time where you had to zoom it. And they wanted a, us to guess uh, the gender of the baby. And so when it's my turn, I said, well, I had a dream last night and God showed me it's going to be a boy. And uh, well, it came out a girl, but I figured I, figured I had a 50-50 chance, right? I mean, it's a good time to, to play around with it. So why am I saying all this to you? Just so you understand, Old Testament prophets, what they say is, the, it's thus saith the Lord, it's the word of God. And these guys never missed it. So it's equal to you reading your Bible. And that's what I want you to see, equal to you reading your Bible. So you're going to find out that um, he did not, Elisha did not like Joram because he, he still was bothered by what his parents were, but he changed. The Bible says he was a good king. But uh, you see how, how um, human Elisha is because he still struggled forgiving him. So notice this. 
It says in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 12, and Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Verse 13, here you see it. Then Elijah said to the king of Israel, still picking on him for his parents. He doesn't know that the kids should not be guilty for the sins of the parents, right? What I've had to do with you, go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said, he's still Debbie Downer to him. No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. He's still so negative. And in verse 14, and Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. And so he's still living and treating them the wrong way, but God still came on him. Listen to this. But he said, bring me a musician or a minstrel. And then it happened when the musician or minstrel played the hand of the Lord came upon him. And that's what I mean. It came so strong. It just means God took over and he began to speak, thus saith the Lord. And in the Old Testament, sometimes when you went to a prophet and you caught him off guard, he, you know, and you said, I need to know something. He said, well, I need to get in the presence of God. And they'd have the minstrel pray and they'd get into the presence of God. I noticed that too, guys, that, you know, um, I've been out of corporate worship through July. I'm worshiped at home, but man, when you walk into corporate worship, whoa, it's amazing when we worship God together and what happens when the Spirit of God comes upon us. So he wanted to put himself in the Spirit a little more. He wanted to make sure the hand of the Lord came on him, and it did. And listen to verse 16. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches doesn't make sense, but listen to this. For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. The water is not coming in a traditional way. Yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. So God said, not only am I going to bring you water, I'm going to bring the Moabites and deliver them to you. So here's what's really amazing. They're in a desert. And if you look up this word ditches or trenches, uh, it's like six feet long, three feet deep, three feet wide. And it doesn't make any sense. Have you ever read a scripture that just doesn't make any sense? And God's asking you to do something. He's giving you instruction for an area of your life. And, and it's like this instruction. Dig a ditch three feet by three feet by six feet. And, you know, your mind's saying, well, you got to go way deeper to find water. You're not bringing this with the rain, and that is not deep enough to find water in the desert. But you know what? What's really cool about this, guys, is the majority of these guys, none of them complain. And you don't, have, you don't see God having to correct them, saying, why don't you believe what I said? These guys just did it. And soldiers back then would have little shovels on their back with their spears and, and their shields and their swords. But in case they had to dig a trench in order to hide in, they always had them. And so they tell us that they dug thousands of these trenches, thousands of them in this big valley. And here's what I want you to see, guys. After they dug them, there was no water. And that's important for us to understand. But they dug them. And I, I was going to bring a shovel up, and then I thought, well, I don't need three props, right? So I can go like this, right? And you know what I'm talking about. We're talking about digging, right? And here's what I want you to realize, understand, 
and hopefully never forget, every time you see something in the Bible and you put it into practice, you're digging a ditch, you're digging a ditch. And you may not see water right away, but you're digging a ditch. And you read, you know, you say, I want my marriage to improve, and you're a guy. I want my marriage to improve. And God says, well, love your wife in the same way Jesus loved the church. Obviously, you're gonna need some counseling. You may, you're gonna have to communicate, but you say, all right, Lord, I'm gonna dig that ditch. I don't know what it's gonna do. I can't seem to get that woman to be right, right? But I'm gonna dig my ditch, right? But then wives, you say, I want my marriage better. And God says, well, respect your husband, man. Like, like just respect him. And you say, all right, Lord, I'm gonna dig that ditch, right? I'm gonna do whatever you want me to do. And every time you have a need, like I have a physical need, Lord, well, find some scriptures and put your trust in them and believe and begin to give me thanks. For, all right, God, I'm gonna dig that ditch. And whatever is going on in your life, you begin to dig ditches. But after you dig that ditch, after you do what God says, how do you handle it when there's nothing happening? There's no water there. Nothing's come yet. And yet you have increased your capacity. You're, you're beginning to go to that five gallon just by digging your ditch. And that's what God's asking us to do. That's what I mean by following his instructions. But what's really cool is what they did next. This is the second thing we have to do. Take a look at this, guys. We make room when we rest in God's promises, when we rest in his promises. And I just want you to get a picture of this. It's near sundown. They dug all their ditches. They are sweaty. They are thirsty. They're looking at the ditches and there's no water. And man, it had to be terrible the way they felt in that hot desert sun. And yet evening comes and you don't hear a peep of complaint out of any of them. And you know what they do? They decide to go to sleep. And that's amazing. They decided, I'm going to rest in, in this wonderful thing that God does. We make room when we rest in God's promises. That's our second thing we need to do. And I really believe they understood something because this was in their scriptures. And it's Psalm 121, verse 4. You guys ready for it? It says, God neither sleeps nor he slumbers, nor does he slumber. And listen to this, God's working while you're sleeping. And if we can just understand that, we can rest in his promises. God's working while we're sleeping. Have you ever taken a nap? Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, especially on my day off, I'm like, you know, I take Mondays off and sometimes I'll tell Gina, I'm gonna go take a nap for an hour or so, you know, so it might be one o'clock in the afternoon or something. And I go slumber. You know, God never has to take a nap. And then don't we all become tired and need to go to sleep at night? God never sleeps. And so they decided, you know what? Our God isn't sleeping. Our God's not taking naps. And God's working while we're resting, while we're sleeping. And so we can trust in this incredible God that even though we dug ditches and there's nothing there, God is working while we're sleeping. And you know what we're gonna find out? God literally brought water from 100 miles away, and while they were sleeping, God was working. And I want to say to everybody listening to my voice right now, as you dig your ditches, guys, and you do what God's asked you to do, God's working while you're sleeping. And you can't go by what you see. You need to just begin to say, you know what? I believe what you said, God, and I'm going to rest in what you said, and I'm going to trust what you said. And then God begins to work while you sleep. You dug your ditch, man. Now you need to take a rest, right? And it's amazing to me what they did. Listen to this scripture, guys. It says, Psalm 37 and verse seven, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him to act. Don't be envious of evil men 
who prosper. And that last part's really important. Can I talk to you a minute about it? How many of you, you're, you're following God with a passion, right? You're doing everything God asked you to do, but you see another Christian who's not following God, but you have more troubles than they do. And it's like, you can become envious. Lord, I'm doing all this serving and look at them. Or you know someone that doesn't even believe in God. They're not following God. They don't even believe God exists. And they have a better life, it seems, than you do. And they're not dealing with the problem that you're, you're dealing with. And God's saying, don't be envious. And he's instructing us, right? But we know from the New Testament why you and I have a lot of resistance in our life, right? Don't we know the parable of the sower? Whenever you receive any part of the word of God and you say, I'm gonna dig that ditch and you decide to do it, the Bible says the enemy he comes to take that seed. He comes and causes trouble in your life, and he tries to get you to back off, and he gives you some resistance. So if you're a God follower, you always have resistance, but here's what you want to know. Guys, while you're sleeping, God's working, and that resistance is an opportunity for you to grow and for God to show up and for you to have something to celebrate and thank God for. And so uh, the the enemy looks at those people that aren't following God, Christians and non-Christians, and he says this, I already have them where I want them. (laughs) They're disconnected from God, so I'm not gonna mess their life up. I wanna make them think they're okay. But these Christians, I want them to back off, so I'm gonna try to hit them. And guys, that's why you and I need to dig our ditches and then just rest in the promises of God and let God do what he wants to do and what he can do in all of our lives. And this third thing is amazing. It goes like this, guys. We, We make room by being thankful. And I wanna paint a picture for you. It's an incredible picture. These guys slept, they woke up, and you know what they did? They looked, are the ditches filled? They were not filled. So that's a good time to complain. We did what you wanted, God. We went to bed all sweaty and yucky, and, uh, and, 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 and God, you didn't show up, but they didn't do that. You know what the Bible says? Some translations say they offered the grain offering. It's just a Thanksgiving offering. When they woke up, they began to give thanks. Think about it, they looked at the ditches, and they gave thanks. That's amazing. Now, I don't do this now as a married man. Gina will not allow me, but I did it a few times when I was single. I remember in Bible school, I, I, I worked out a lot at night, and I worked midnight turns, so uh, you know, I'd get up and I'd work out and go outside and run, and you're just all sweaty, crazy sweaty. And uh, then I'd come in, and i think, I'm too hungry. I'm going to eat first. And so then I'd eat, and then the sweat would all kind of disappear. So I'd think, I'm not showering. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's just me in the bed, and instead of washing my sheets once a month, I'll wash them, you know, three, time, three weeks, every three weeks or something, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'll be okay. And I remembered the first time I did that, I, I did it, I think, twice, um, but the first time I did that, I thought, ah, I'm okay. I didn't realize that sweat was all caked on there and my pores were blocked. And I got into bed, and, and I just got used to my smell, so that didn't matter. And I, I slept alone, you know, so I was okay there. But I had the worst night's sleep I ever had. And I realized, you know, with that, that sweat caked everywhere, man, your pores aren't breathing. Now, I share that to say, think about them. They marched. They went to bed so thirsty, but they went to bed sweaty. They couldn't take a sponge bath uh, even. They didn't have any water, right? And so here they are, had to have the worst night of sleep ever. And they wake up, their throats are parched, terrible night of sleep. They're all smelly. Their clothes are dirty. Their animals are complaining. Their animals are weak. They're weak. They look at the ditches and there's nothing there. And here's what they said. You know what? 
This is a good time to give thanks to God. And I think, wow, that's amazing for Old Testament people to get it. And then I think, how many times haven't I got that, you know? And I thought, wow, what a great lesson. That's why I love this text. And let me show you what happened. Uh, it says in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 20, now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered. So they're giving thanks, listen to this, that suddenly water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water, right while they're giving thanks, guys. And that's absolutely amazing to me. But let's understand it. Theologians say, and scholars, it came about 100 miles, so it was moving while they were sleeping. But they're in a desert valley. And if they didn't dig those ditches, you know what would have happened? The water would have came through and kept going, and it would have wet their ankles, and they would have just had a little bit of what they needed. But you know what? God said, dig the trenches. Why? He, he wanted to capture that water. So the water comes through, and now they have thousands of ditches with all that water and they're drinking and they're washing their clothes and they're bathing and they're having this amazing time. The animals are happy. Everybody's happy. But guys, first thing they did is they gave thanks. They followed God's instructions. They rested in the promises of those instructions. And then they just said, you know what? I'm gonna keep giving thanks till I see what I need to see. And I'm not backing off. And you know what's happening on the inside? They're going from two to five and their capacity's increasing. They're getting this extension grabber as they give thanks and they worship God. And then suddenly, we can all agree suddenlies are never suddenly, right? This was all happening for a while, but it was behind the scenes. God was working while they were sleeping. But can you imagine when that water came? It had to be absolutely amazing. And you can finish the rest of the story this week, but I'll tell it to you. So they have the water. They're doing great. Their strength is back. But the Moabites come upon them, and it's sunrise early in the morning, and they see all the trenches, but they look red. And here's what they said. Those crazy cousins must have gotten us in a fight and they all killed each other. So they think the cousins got in a fight and killed each other. So they come running towards them and said, let's go get the plunder. Let's take everything they have. Let's take their animals. Let's take every valuable they have on them. Let's get their weapons. And they come running and Israel sees them like, what are they doing? They don't even have their weapons out. And the Bible says, Israel totally defeated them. And so God did what he promised, and it, but it all came in an odd way, right? Dig ditches. And I just want to encourage us today. God has more to give than you're getting and never to give up, but just begin to find out what scriptures do I need for this area of my life and begin to put them into practice. And guys, and then just trust and rest in those and then just keep giving thanks. And then we can begin to see God do some amazing things in our life. So my encouragement is, Dig our ditches, right? And I want you to be a ditch digger. And I, I was on a conference call. I was preaching to 182 nations this past Tuesday, uh, preaching the gospel. And there were two other ministers on with me and then the host. And, uh, and I get these opportunities all the time. There's this guy that just has all these opportunities. And think about preaching in 182 countries. They had 20,000 calls for salvation and prayer during the one hour that we were on. It was absolutely amazing. God's doing some amazing things in the earth. It's amazing. This Thursday, I'm doing a one-hour pastor's conference uh, in Pakistan, of all places, man, in a Muslim nation, and I get to do it on Zoom, and I'm so excited about it and uh, looking forward to it, right? And so God is using technology to do these amazing things. But I'm on with two other ministers. I'm friends with both of them. We're, both, we're all part of the same ministerial uh, association, uh, which is Significant Church, and, and so we all know each other. And one of them said this, and, and I texted him afterward. I said, 
said, send this to me. So he did. And I just want to encourage you to read your Bible, man, more than you've ever read it. Because guys, that's where the capacity increase starts. But listen to this. People, and it's not on the, it's not, it's not on the PowerPoint. People who read their Bibles four times a week. So if you read your Bible four times a week, I want you to show you. Just, nothing else, just reading your Bible four times a week. There's a 30% decrease in loneliness. That's pretty cool. 32% decrease in anger. 40% decrease in bitterness, 57% decrease in alcoholism. And they found with Christians during COVID, Christians that read their Bible, they didn't have issues, man. They were doing great. And that's what happens. But listen to the two positive things that happen. You ready? Uh, You'll have a 20% increase in evangelism if you just read your Bible four times a week. But this one really tanked me up. You ready? Discipleship went up 230%. That's like absolutely amazing. Just reading your Bible four times a week. And guys, that's how precious and powerful the Word of God is. And I want to encourage you, if you're not doing that, begin to read it, but then make a decision when you read it. I'm going to put it into practice. Dig that ditch and watch God do what God promised to do. And I want to just say to everybody in Borman, guys at TCI, everybody online, in the chat rooms, and here in Warren, can we give it up and say thank you, God, for these stories and these amazing things that you can do in our life? Thank you, God, that you have more to give than we're getting. And I just thank you for that increasing. And Lord, our heart's prayer is increase our capacity as we begin to go through this series. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you for every person listening to my voice. You're just so amazing, Lord. We say you're amazing. Lord, thank you for inspiring us, speaking to us. Give us the grace to walk in this as we go through the weeks and the months ahead, Lord God. Give us all the grace that we need. Uh, Give us your ability to do what you shared with us to do. Lord, we pray for you to increase our capacity as we go through this series. And we thank you for doing that in every single one of our lives. And guys, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Uh, for all, all that are listening that are Christians, just have a little talk with God. Let him speak to your heart by the Holy Spirit and give you some direction for what you need to do. And while we're all still in the attitude of prayer, if you're listening, whether in Borman, online, TCI or here in Warren, and you're not sure if you're forever, guys, God gave us some incredible instructions. He said, you cannot go to heaven by your works, by your ability, uh, by your good works. Your good works, even if they outweigh your bad works, you can't go to heaven. The Bible says that we're all born sin-stained and we need a savior. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to save mankind. And when he hung on that tree and he gave us life and he shed that precious holy blood, the Bible says that God washed away the sins of the whole world. But we have to receive that so it happens in our life. And when God brought him out of the grave, that blood had its power just come into it, guys. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God wants to save us and change us forever. And if you're listening to my voice and you say, you know what, man, I don't remember a day in my life when I accepted Christ. It doesn't matter if you came and and you didn't believe in God, or you came and you say, I've been in church my whole life. Here's the question. Can you remember a day when you prayed and said, Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven, and I receive and accept you right now, Lord God? And if you're listening, you say, I can't. Here's, Here's what I ask. Why not do that today? And only God can open your eyes up to see it and to do it. But if you're listening, you say, I, I, I'm ready. Would you pray with us? The rest of us, can we help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize... I was born sin-stained, and I need a Savior. I repent of all my sins.
and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe the good news. You're the son of God who died for the sins of the entire world. That God raised you up out of that grave. And this day, I make it personal. I accept you as my savior and make a decision to follow you. Amen. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.